things of other topics I wanted to get into with you. Um, some stuff with social justice and, and the gospel and stuff like that. Okay, I, I tell you what, I'll sum that up real quick. Listen, the gospel is the solution. Well, by me saying that doesn't mean just preach the gospel. What it means is, is to go out, preach the gospel, teach people to observe all that Jesus Christ has taught you, and love God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and love your neighbor as you love yourself. Because when you're doing those things, guess what you don't have? These issues, uh, with, with, with uh, these social issues and so forth. And then, granted, you know, because we live in a sinful world, we're going to have sinful people who do sinful things like practice stuff like racism and so forth. And the only answer to a situation like racism is not another march. It's not more laws, because if that stuff would have worked, then we wouldn't have racism. The solution to those things is the very solution to sin, because that's exactly what it is. It's sin. So you preach the gospel and you love your neighbor and you pray for your enemies, just like Christ told us to do. Welcome to the Rap Report with Andrew Rappaport, where we provide biblical interpretations and applications. This is the ministry of Striving for Eternity and the Christian podcast community. For more content or to request a speaker for your church, go to strivingforeternity.org. All right, this is the Rap Report. I am Andrew Rappaport, your host. And this may be the first time that we're actually going to talk about what many thought this podcast was about. For folks who don't know, when we first started this, the name before, we just called it Rap Report, and I got emails from people that were upset with me because they said this has nothing to do with rap music. They thought that's what this show was about. They didn't get the pun on my last name, but uh, we are going to have someone here who, well... He knows a, a thing or two about rap music, more than me, uh, and a whole lot of other styles of music, which, again, more than me. But we, we got T. Barlow. Uh, some of you may know of him if you listen to the Bar Podcast. Now, some of you may say, be saying, the Bar Podcast, I never listened to them. Uh, let me ask this very simply. What is wrong with you? Um, the Bar Podcast stands for Biblical and Reformed. And I think that I've been excited because actually T. Barlow is the last of the shows on the Bar Podcast that I haven't either been on their show or they've been on mine. So I've been like super excited because it's like the, the one guy I haven't had a chance to really sit down and talk with. So so welcome, T. How are you? Oh, grace and peace, man. God is good. I'm so uh, grateful to be here. I'm doing well. Uh, thank you for having me on your show. Now you do, you do, and and I've, we talked about this privately, and I, I talked with Dwayne Atkinson about this. Yours is the only show on the whole bar podcast network, I think, that I don't listen to, and I, and, and I I've said that not because there hasn't there's not good content there. It's just I'm clueless when it comes to some of the spinners and and the the talk on the music that I'm clueless about. Um, but I also have the uh, one other problem is that I listen at triple speed and you have the music going in the background and, and it throws me completely off. <laughs> yeah. Hey, which, which, by the way, that was the Wayne's idea. You know, he, he just always thought that it would be good to have something like, you know, just a filler. And he just, especially with like when you're doing like a music show, uh, a music interview, having music in a background is just seems like a natural thing for an interview. Uh, with an artist and so forth. And I've heard that from some folks. Some folks say, hey, you know, like the music kind of is distracting. Um, but yeah, at the same time, you know, in all honesty, like I never, like I'll record a show. I never go back and listen to it. Like, I, don't, <laughs> I, I hate the sound of my voice, which is weird, you know. Um, but, but yeah, man, you know, and, and here's another thing, um, you know, you talk about how like you don't know a lot about me. That's, that's one of the reasons why we actually uh, started doing 
uh, bars, which my, my particular show is called Bars, Biblical and Reformed Spitters. And uh, it was a way to kind of um, make people aware of certain artists that you wouldn't, nor especially the ones that you wouldn't normally see, uh, um, the ones who don't get to make it to like the BET uh, Gospel Awards and so forth. You know, like the ones just from some of the unknown artists who genuinely love God and ha genuinely have a heart for uh, for for praising Him through their art and talent. It was a way to uh, to get us kind of like bringing them on, getting them to talk about it, and then even. Like, like like over the course of time, like what ended up happening is we ended up getting some of the more uh, bigger names in underground Christian rap or Christian hip hop. Uh, people like uh, Timothy Brenda, for example, or Stephen the Levite. These are guys who have been doing it for years, who have kind of made their mark again. Like if you are aware of um, if you're aware of Christian rap over the past, let's say like 10, 15 years, those are two of the names that that you will be familiar with if you've been listening to Sound Solid. Uh, reformed rappers you would know uh guys like that and you know and i mean it's just it's just been a blessing man um it's been fun uh I've, I've, been, I've had an opportunity to talk with folks who i've been listening to for years and whose music i love and actually learned a lot from and and even like as you sit down and you're talking about their music you're getting some good biblical content you're hearing their testimonies about how god saved them um it's, it's, it's you know it's a well-rounded um show i believe uh, based upon the fact that it's not really just about rap, even though that sometimes that'd be like our main conversation. It's, but it's just, you know, you actually get this opportunity to, um, to to hear how the gospel has affected their lives. Now, I want to, I mean, I want to get into a lot with the, the show and some of that, but I, I, I want to ask about your background, but you, you mentioned having some folks on your show. I just got to, so have you gotten folks on your show? Have you been starstruck? Have you gotten people on that you're like, wow, I can't believe you're on my show? So, all right, I'm not really the type to get starstruck. However, I am the type to name drop. And, and not, not with other folks, but more so with my children. Because uh, we, we listen to this music like all the time. And so I would go and I'd be like, hey, guess who I'm talking to? And they'd be like, who? And I'd be like, Stephen the Levite, <laughs> you know? And, and they'd be like, what? what? You know, and, and, and or, or I'd be like, the time I had like Ivy Connolly on there, uh, I was like, I said, guess, guess who I'm about to have an interview with? Who? Ivy Connolly. I'm like, what? And so it's like, I look, I look all important to my kids and I, you know, like, you know. So you, you want to make sure your kids are looking up to dad and being like, dad's the coolest. Yeah, yeah, you understand? Like, you know, like, so nobody can tell him otherwise. You can't tell me anything about my dad. He talked with Timothy Brindle, so, you know, you can go have several seats, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah but, I mean, but, like, me, myself, yeah, I'm not, I'm not really the starstruck type. I, I, I mean, people are people. Um, you know, um, I, get, I do get excited when I see them, but it's not like, like falling out, tearing up. You're my hero, you know? I, I, got, my I got starstruck once. And it, it, was, it was really funny because it's someone that most people wouldn't like. I've, I mean, I've, I've met guys, you know, Ray Comfort, Kirk Cameron, you know, Todd Friel. Like I've, I've got to meet folks like that, speak at conferences, folks like that. Yeah. And you, people would think like if you're going to get starstruck, it'd be like with a Phil Johnson or Todd Friel or Ray Comfort, someone like that. You know, I got yeah. starstruck with someone that anyone that doesn't know anything about Mormonism doesn't even know the name, but it's Sandra Tanner. And anyone who knows really? anything about Mormonism knows who she is. But when I started studying Mormonism, I mean, like her and her husband, Gerald, like were the, 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 the uh, you know, apologists against Mormonism. And I'd read so much of their stuff. I was doing an apologetics cruise. Uh, myself and Matt Slick were the, were the keynotes and she was going to be there. And it was, it was like, 
I said to my wife, like, I am super nervous about meeting her. She actually added me on Facebook. I remember that. I called a friend of mine and I'm like, I actually thought it was a fake account. Like, why is she adding me? And I actually contacted her. So like, you know, it's a real account. Like, why are you adding me? And she was like, oh, I follow your stuff. And I was like, oh, and I, <laughs> and I was like, Sandra Tanner just added me on Facebook. Like it was, it was the stupidest thing, but I met her and my wife thought it was the funniest thing that she's like, you've never been this way with anybody. It was just the, you know, something about getting to meet her. Like I mean, we, we had someone that was actually staying in the room with her that worked for uh-huh. industry, and she didn't know who Sandra was, but she was like, man, listening to you talk about her, I, I feel like this is like the coolest privilege to be sharing a room with her. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, and it's, and it's the thing, like, it's really cool, man, because like, one of the things, like, you think about the heroes of the faith over years, you know, over the years, like, imagine like, being able to, to be able to have had an interaction with like, Augustine, or or with Whitfield, you know, saying somebody like that, that nature, or even like back in the day, like having been able to have interaction with Peter and obviously, of course, Jesus. But like, I mean, like when you think about like how years from now, people are going to know their names, like their names are going to come up in like a course and you actually had a chance to sit and be a part of, of, of church history by that type of interaction, so to speak. And so I, I, can, I, I totally dig that, man. Like, like to be able to, 10 years, 20 years from now, when people talk about who are the greatest to do the Christian rap thing, I could be like, well, you know, I actually had a conversation and it's recorded and it's out there. It's in the cloud. Like, yeah. you know, you can go back, you can go back and revisit it. No, I think that's a cool thing, man. Like, definitely. Definitely. Don't, don't worry. By the time, by the time your kids are old enough, like your age, there's not going to be a thing called a cloud. So let <laughs> 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 me like dad. What's that? No, but you know, you brought up a great thing about the, the fatherhood aspect because I'll tell you, son, it, you know, my kids grew up knowing that, you know, yeah, I travel and speak and I go to these different places. I get, you know, my, my, my kids have gotten to meet some, some well-known people and, but they just grew up with that. They didn't really have like an appreciation for it until like my, I remember my daughter, she went away to, to college and it was just funny because it was like, there's people that are speaking at her chapel that know who I am. And they're like, like excited to meet her. Cause like, wow, you're Andrew Rappert's daughter. And she's like, 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 but the biggest change was when I think really a big change in her whole relationship was when I was invited to speak at her university. And all of a sudden it wasn't, you know, this is my dad. I'm being dragged along with him to go speak. She was having her dad speak and she was the, the person. So it was like, I, I actually said to students, I'm like, you ever have that pressure? Like, you know, you're just, you're with mom and dad. And you know, someone's like, oh, you're so-and-so's son or daughter. And you feel that immediate pressure. You have to perform well. You have to behave well because it reflects back on mom and dad. And I just see, I hear this like groan throughout the entire audience of thousands of students. And I went, that's how I feel right now. I'm Shannon's dad. <laughs> <laughs> and everyone just breaks yeah. out laughing. <laughs> wow. So, so let's talk about your background first, because I want our folks that listen to our podcast to know a little bit about you, how you got saved, and, you know, just where the Lord's led you to where you are today. All right. So, well, you know, we, I, I grew up in Omaha, born in Chicago, but grew up in Omaha, Nebraska. And, um, you know, I was kind of the, uh, I grew up in the church um, at the age of, at the age of six, not give or take, I think it was about six years old. I remember uh, talking with the pastors. Uh, son of the church we were in, which is back when we were in Chicago, and uh, he was telling me about Christianity. At least, at least 
like what he knew to explain because he was he himself was like 10 years old at the time and uh it kind of convinced me it's like i knew i said you know what i want to be a christian you know and so forth and went and told my dad who was a deacon at the time and you know long story short i ended up getting baptized in that church so i grew up you know um in the baptist tradition and so back in those days we did things like you know like our family this is how our family did first and foremost let me let me put some background to my family real quick my mom and dad got married at a bible study okay so so there there's that uh, you know, and so wait, we wait, got, <laughs> that you can't just drop that and be like, let's move on. That takes Yeah, I mean, you know, because like you know, like they they met each other. I mean, you know, like they met each other through uh, uh, one of my uh, older cousins, one of my dad's cousins. My uh, introduced them to you know, or not. They courted for a couple of years. My mom stuck by his side. My dad came in and and was like showed himself to uh, to be in love with both her and her children who basically were my older brother and sister and whatnot and, and so they and when they decided to do it one one march one day in march during the bible study they got married and and all the witnesses were the people of that bible class okay, it was, a nice so little wedding. was this was this planned before the bible study that they were going to do this or it's just they surprised yeah. everyone at the bible study oh well no it was planned you can tell because when you look at the pictures you can see that they kind of set it up but it's like hey we're going to have bible study and a wedding you know um, which is how it went down, and they looked really nice, you know. They're all okay. white. I, mean, <laughs> I was just like, yeah, yeah. like here's surprise, yeah. we're getting married at your at your Bible at the Bible study, like, <laughs> right? And you know, and I and I was baptized by the uh, the very same preacher who um who officiated that that wedding and so forth. And so our Sundays were, you know, wake up, we went to Sunday school, and then after Sunday school, of course, we had morning service, and then after morning service, we had what's called BTU. Which is uh, which stands for Baptist Training Union uh, and whatnot. So that was like extra. That was like a. It was like a second Sunday school after the service. And then after BTU, most likely there was an evening service. We sometimes would not get home until ten o'clock uh, Sunday night. Wow. Having spent having spent all day in service, like that's that's kind of that's how we came up. Um, and then when we moved to Omaha, it was a little different, but it was still Sunday school, and then it was still morning service. And then if there was an afternoon service, we would go to that. And then Mama, um, we would do prayer meeting and Bible study, all right, uh, on Wednesdays. On Wednesdays. And then of course, whatever throughout the week, if I, you know, I kind of sang, I came up uh, singing in the choir and so forth. And then about ninth grade, I started playing the drums for the choir. So I was like, and then um, not only was I playing the drums for the choir, but I also uh, started playing quartet, uh, uh, gospel quartet music. I was a drummer for a quartet group. Uh, and so forth. So it's like, you know, I was always involved, but here's the kicker though. I can't say definitively that I was always saved. Um, you know, um, like I knew certain things I was, you know, I, you know, like I, I understood certain stuff. I mean, it's, but it's just, there, there was, a, if anything, I had a, a long period of backsliding, especially once I got to high school. Um, you know, I just, things that Christians shouldn't do, I partook. You know, um, I just did a lot. I just did a lot of sinful, a lot of sinful things. And uh, but to kind of get back really also to the to the upbringing of the child, I want to mind. I want to I want to tell you there was a pastor, a pastor here in Omaha, Reverend Ali Kendrick. Uh, he um, he always he he's told me that he said, I've always saw something different about you and whatnot. And so everything I ever asked him if I could do, he would allow me to do. Um, and, and as a kid, sometimes, as, as, I mean, as, as a high school student, like I would like teach classes. And what he did was just kind of start me. He brought me into his office 
and I would teach the Sunday school lesson to him and a couple of deacons, you know. Um, and it was there, it was this way of kind of training me on how to teach. Uh, yeah. And then one day, one day, I mean, it was just a special day. He said, "Hey, you know, it's you Sunday. We're gonna have him teach the class." And so I stood up and I taught Sunday school to the adult class, um, you know, and. That, that 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 was kind of just one of those things that um he kind of i don't know just i don't know where it came from like i, I loved teaching right but at the same time also during that time like i loved sin um you know and so i i got involved in quite a few different things between you know like your regular teenage mischief smoking pot and and and, and uh stealing cars at times joyriding and stuff like that and i mean it's just I, in school, I really wasn't a thug. I was a class clown. So I was just always just into something very hyperactive, you know. Um, and as an adult, man, it was really, really in heavily getting, in, you know, into, into to, to, uh, to smoking, you know, to getting high, um, getting drunk, chasing girls, and doing this Monday through Friday, excuse me, Monday through Saturday, and then waking up on Sunday morning and going to church, participating in the choir, Whatever the case may be, you know, like that was my that was my life. That was my Christian living, and uh, but my quote unquote Christian living. Uh, the, I think the, the turnaround was when I, I went to a service one night to hear this man speak uh, by the name of G. Craig Lewis. Now G. Craig Lewis was um, he has this ministry called EX Ministries, and at the time, the message that he delivered was the exact message that I needed to hear. And what he was doing was is he was preaching against like the he was preaching he was actually he was preaching against hip-hop and the sin that it promoted and so um wait he's preaching and, against and, that hmm yeah 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 podcast he's, yeah, because, deals with <laughs> yeah yeah well yeah and, I, and i'm gonna I'm straighten this up so he because he believed his his teaching was hip-hop was a demonic religion that has no place in the church right now at that time and hearing that message and what he does is he goes through a lot of different artists, lyrics and stuff. And he's playing certain stuff. And he's saying, man, like, and basically his argument is just like, yo, how can a Christian listen to this? Right. Mm. And so at that point, I remember like that night, you know, saying like, I just, I went, I like, I got rid of all my CDs and so forth and threw them all in the trash. And, and I went on like a purge of anything that had to do with entertainment for like a few years, <laughs> you know, like, I, I mean, like, and, and and then I started going on witch hunts after this. Like I was seeing demonism and everything, you know. Yeah. Um, and I mean, just everything. I got really, really, really legalistic from all of this, thinking that at this point, you know, saying like that, I, you know, that I took up a new calling and a new mantle as the watchman on the tower, and I got to warn these people of all this demonism, this that, and the other. And I mind you, as I'm doing all of this, at no point am I really really like sharing the gospel you mm. know um but like i was all into like studying about secret societies and satanism and luciferianism and all this jazz well check this out still doing all of that and i'm still finding myself uh, more often than not sliding into sinful relationships and sinful activity um at some point at one point um i kind of slowed down and really started like just reading and studying a word and started having like discussions with people about salvation. I tried to try to come to a point to where I was understanding whatever about my salvation. Um, I don't have like a, a date or a special like moment where, I mean, the, the, there was one time I could really say where I, I just kind of just started fasting 
and praying. And I just knew, like, like I just knew I was just convicted of a lot of things in my life that I was just out of place and out of order and, and just wrong, you know? And, and I kind of, I remember that moment and maybe that's the moment that I can actually say that I know for sure. If I didn't know any time before that, that I was saved. If I could pinpoint a moment, I don't have the date. I don't have the, I just remember where I was. I remember the room and I remember being as low as I ever been in my life. And I remember also like just making the decision from that point on said, said, said God, like, like I, I repent, like I quit, like I'm done with all of that. You know, for you, I live for you, I'll die. And at that point, it's, I ain't saying that I've been perfect and been like floating in holiness. But what I'm saying is, is that I'm nothing like from that moment on, I was nothing like what I was before that, you know? And, and, um, and I began to, I, um, I just began to, uh, start taking a, the calling seriously because mind you, I'm gonna tell you this. I started preaching in 2010 and even in 2010, you know, uh, as preaching, you know, like there was still some areas in my life, like where, like, if, again, like if I could go back and do it, I'd have, I'd have either not preached or I'd have really cut them off like right away. Like I was just wrong. Um, but, but I wasn't like ordained as a preacher until 2013. And that came, that came like after the repentance, you know, after the repentance came, uh, the, the catechism and the ordaining. And like I said, after that point, man, it's just been like, I just kind of been like on a straight street and, 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 I, and I've been on this mission to, to, to preach the gospel that saved me to people who need salvation or even to people who have salvation. I've been on this mission to get people back to the word of God. Because one of the things that I was noticing, for example, from, like, I, and here's what I say, like, I think on so many levels, God used G. Craig Lewis. And, but on another level, you know, I began to see that, like, this man isn't really preaching the word. Now, he'll quote some scriptures, but he'll rip them wildly out of context to fit his agenda, to fit his preferences, to fit his message. You know, um, not saying you're, that he you're saying say, that's not the way to interpret scripture. I mean, that's what everyone does on the radio and TV. Nah, man. <laughs> hey, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that. I feel like if the Bible says that we should study to show ourselves approved and to where we, you know, to rightly divide the scripture, that means to me like there's a wrong way to divide <laughs> the scripture. You know, <laughs> so. And, and, and you know, and, and that's that's what happens. I mean, you know, and, and it, it's it's amazing to me. You know, like how how easy it is to take a scripture and to throw it out there, and folks will just snatch it up and eat it. You know, yeah. When it's when it, especially when it's not thrown out there right, when especially when it's not preached rightly, and so they'll take that and they'll just run with this, and it's like, whoa, whoa slow down. You know, um, a couple of weeks ago, I, I guest preached at a church, and every time I guest preach at a church, I, I I set the stage for what type of preacher I am because, you know, as a black man growing up in a black church. That's a certain thing that they expect from black preachers that I just refuse to give them. I don't hoop and I don't, and I don't holler. Um, I don't, I'm not, cause I'm like, I'm not here to entertain you. I'm not here to get you emotionally riled up. I'm not here to, you know, to, 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 to get you all happy. I'm here to preach the word of God. Let's explain like what this means. And so a couple of weeks ago when I was preaching at this church, you know, I was explaining to them how, how it's very important to deal with the context of a scripture. And so to give them to, to prove my point, I quote a scripture and the scripture says, all these things I'll give to you if you just fall down and worship me. And I was like, on the surface, listening to that scripture, that doesn't sound bad until you realize that that's Satan 
talking to Jesus. <laughs> it, it, Oops. You know, yeah, right. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and so when I hear people like G. Craig, who, by the way, again, mind you, I definitely believe that he brought me to, that, that, that God used him to at least put me in a realization of like where I was spiritually in a sense, you know what I'm saying? So like, 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 I bet, yeah, like, yeah, why am I still in my heart and mind with these things? You know, uh, why am I, you know what I'm saying? Why, you know what I'm saying? Like, like, how can I, um, approve of somebody who blatantly blasphemes God? Like, like that's, that's a horrific thing. And that's, and G. Craig hit the nail on the head with that right there, I believe. Um, however, problem is, it's like this, you know, well, not everything. One is- of the things I think one of the things you're trying to say is that look, all of us are. In, this is the thing. Another thing a lot of people don't remember or think about with other people as much as we do with ourselves that we're still growing. The Lord's mm-hmm. not just the author, but the finisher of the work He does in us. And yeah, think about how much more God's doing in us. But a lot of times we forget as if like everyone else has arrived and mm-hmm. they're not still growing. And and so yeah, I mean, there's a lot of people even in my life that I could think of who early in the time that I knew them, there's a lot of things that I thought, I mean, look, I thought growing up in a Jewish home and the first Christian I really found as a teacher was Harold Camping. And I know people Mm. are cringing, right? I mean, I found him on the radio and the guy spoke so authoritatively. I knew nothing about Christianity other than what I was reading in a Bible. I didn't have church. I didn't have other Christians. I wasn't going to go talk to the rabbis about Jesus. And so... Mm. I was alone. And when I got, when I was 17 and I learned, found him on the radio, man, I thought he was the bomb. I thought this guy knew his stuff. And then when I got into college and started learning the Bible, I went, this guy's nuts. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You know, like, 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 born a lot, you know, and it's like, it's crazy, but you know, and it's like, you try not to be, because I understand that like, you're going to differ on things with folks sometimes. I mean, like they just happen. No, no, that's not to mean that they're heretics and so forth. But, you know, I'm the type of person now these days when somebody starts saying, God told me, you know, <laughs> and, and they don't have a scripture or verse to quote what God told them. You know, I'm at that point, I begin to think like you're on the fringes of you're on the fringes of crazy right now. You know, and, I, I, I was and, joking with Justin Peters one day and I could never do this, but I, I told him I was so tempted to do this. I wanted to like po- put a post out like on Facebook and on like a Monday and say, the, the Lord has spoken to me. I've got, I, re, I got a word from the Lord. I will reveal it on Friday. And like every day, post that, right? <laughs> and then on Friday, just read a scripture of judgment to people that, people that are looking for a sign. <laughs> I said, I'd love to do that. He goes, yeah, but how many people are going to tune you out as a heretic long before Friday comes? I said, that's why I can't do it. <laughs> <laughs> and now that I've said this, like if I ever try it, everyone's gonna be like, "Yep, we know what this is about." <laughs> yeah, yeah. Your your listeners will. <laughs> you know, I, I hope hopefully hopefully if you ever do that, I hope they share the post. <laughs> like, <laughs> like we just gonna share it. We know what this is. We just gonna share it. <laughs> you know, but you you were talking earlier. I mean, it's interesting because you're saying when you go and you're guest speaker and you don't do the hooping and hollering, and for some folks they don't know what that's all about. I, and I know I have a friend of mine, Cliff, who. He grew up in the the African American church, all the hooping and hollering, and he was talking about it. And he said, "He's like, you know, people don't even listen for what it is you're saying. It's just the emotional, uh, the the emotion it brings, and the the cadence to bring you to where it's a trained response." He's like, "I could yeah. be preaching a nursery rhyme, and people would amen it." And I'm like, 
what do you, like, how would you do that? And we were in, in the lobby of a missionary center and he literally starts talking the little Miss Muffet. He's like, little Miss Muffet, she's sad on her butt. And he's like doing this whole, yeah. this whole thing. Yeah. And no joke, this woman is walking through the lobby and she goes, amen, brother. And I just, <laughs> I, my jaw just hit the ground. And oh. I was like, he was right. It was like, she <laughs> Listen, he was talking about little Miss Muffet sitting on her puffet, her duffet, and he's like, I was like, you got to be kidding me. Yeah, yeah, man, it's, it's that, it's that bad, man. And like, as a matter of fact, man, like, 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 I sit and I listen when I, because I'm the guy listening to these guys. Like when I'm like when I go and mind you, some of these preachers, man, they, on, on so on so many levels, on certain levels, man, I have a, I have a profound respect for them. Um, you know, but like I listen to some of these guys preach. The and good it, news is, I can, t- I can literally tell you what they're about would to say. Love and to you know, come and it's like they're saying things that everybody says in that moment. Teaching them oh, he's biblical hermeneutics. He's That's right. right. The, the art and science of interpreting you know, scripture. And, and like, it, the bad news like over is, over somebody attending might be really upset to discover Jeremiah twenty nine eleven should not be their life verse. To learn more, go to strivingforeternity.org to host a Bible interpretation made easy seminar. Like, why are you doing it? Looking for strategies that will help you engage in meaningful conversations with members of the Mormon Church? Well, if so, take a look at sharing the good news with Mormons. They just totally forgot what the message they were going to say. They're just going over by Mormonism Research Ministries, Eric Johnson and Sean McDowell. Sharing the good news with Mormons includes 24 helpful essays from two dozen Christian apologists, scholars, and pastors. Pick up your copy at the Utah Lighthouse Bookstore or order directly from MRM.org. I'm I'm a, I'm a good like and like it's and I've seen guys get ridiculous man I've seen people step out of the pulpit and start walking on pews stepping over pews and stuff and it's just like man, like Wait, isn't, that, down, isn't that Stephen Anderson doesn't he do that <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but let, okay let's let's talk about the music because so you got a you got a a show that that talks about music and deals with musicians yeah. I I have listened to a couple I listened to the one uh. Uh, with uh, Ivy and uh, uh, Brindle, and yeah. you know, part of the thing is I'm I'm not I just I didn't grow up with music. Um, I just it's not I don't listen to music. There's no music. I, I remember when I was on the Bar Podcast and and I listened to enough of the Bar Podcast that I knew what was coming. And yeah, Dwayne's like, so what music's on your po- on your phone? And I'm like, actually none. I mean, there, there there's oh. not. A, there's not a single tune. I have nothing in my music. You know, it's like I listen to podcasts. I listen to sermons. I just, 
But, you know, I did grow up in the fundamentalist Baptist church. When I say grow up, I mean, as a Christian, I mean, I was, I was in my twenties by the time I first walked into a church really, um, Mm -hmm. as a member, but you know, in that it was the fundamentalist Baptist. So they would have the same view of rap music as they would rock music and everything. It was all of the devil. And so that was my inclination. I remember listening and I can't tell you the artist's name, but I remember listening to, for the first time, listening to someone doing a rap song. And what impressed me the most was the amount of theology that I heard. Mm. I mean, it was packed. And I sat there going, you know, this, it's, it's like a, really, this is how I describe it. It is, rap music to me seems to be a very, for, for guys that do it, for Christian guys that do it and do it well, it seems like it is a fast-paced, uh, rhyming sermon. Yeah. Rap allows you to pack a lot of content into a song. And here's here's a perfect example. Um, so after you know, after the whole few years after listening to G. Craig, right? I came across accidentally, or or actually by happenstance, but through through a mutual friend. Uh, through, That's through, also through called friend on Facebook. Yeah, by, by <laughs> providence. That's a good one. I I I came by by the providence of God. I came across Shylan. And he has a song called The Greatest Story Ever Told, right? Mm. And when I listened to this in three verses, this man summarized the entirety of scripture. And he, I mean, he rapped about the fall of man. And then he rapped about uh, the prophets and the, and, and the coming revelation, uh, you know, in the revelation of Jesus Christ, basically the prophecies of Jesus Christ. And then in the third verse, he actually rapped about Jesus Christ coming and settling everything that 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 went wrong in his first verse you know what i mean it, it and when i heard that i was and mind you i what i did one of the things i failed to mention is is that i actually used to um to to make like secular well i don't know if secular is the right thing. i actually used to make music that wasn't so god glorifying uh you know i i wrote songs i recorded songs i mean nothing that anybody has heard that has made any significant mark on the culture or anything like that but i was i was a poet i started writing poetry in, in high school uh, as a drummer, I naturally I took the writing like to the to the beats and so forth. And so I was writing songs. I was very I, I was just very fun loving. I loved cadences and word playing rhythms and stuff like that. When I heard G. Craig Lewis, I was like, oh, I have to stop this. This is of the devil, right? <laughs> That's kind of how it was. <laughs> and then and then when when I providentially heard the greatest story ever told, a light clicked and I was like, oh, you mean I can glorify God with this? Like like I can do this? And it's like listening to it. I, and I remember used to, I used to think like, man, Christian rap was corny. It was like, man, I don't want to hear corny Christian rap. Like there was nothing corny about this song. And then I began just looking for like other songs. And as a matter of fact, I remember, I remember, because <laughs> I would have these, these online debates with people about salvation and stuff on Facebook, right? I was one of those guys. Uh, still kind of am a little bit, but not, 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 not as much as I used to. And I remember always believing and thinking, just always believing and thinking before I ever heard uh, anything about the reformers and this, that, and the other, that salvation cannot be lost. And that salvation, that being saved meant something. Meaning that, like, if I'm saved, I'm going to do saved things like um, fight sin. You know what I mean? Like, I'm, I'll kill sin. You know, kill the flesh. And in doing so, that you will always keep the salvation. And this guy calls me a Calvinist. I said, <laughs> a, a what? The dreaded like, C like, word. Yeah. You know, and so... It, <laughs> And so, you know, I, I went and looked that up and I, and I saw uh, five points of Calvinism and I was like, man, how dare you call me that? I don't believe that. You know, I was in denial, you know, because 
I knew nothing of unconditional election, limited atonement, you know, and so forth, and, and which were, of course, the two most <laughs> most offensive to me. Like, like, no, Jesus Christ died for the world. For God so loved the world, sir. You know, like that's, <laughs> that's, like, that's how it was. And um, and he, and, and, but I was like, but like, I went on to explain what I believed about salvation. He was like, brother, you're a Calvinist, (laughs) you know, and and so I was like, so against that. So fast forward, Providence of God, I'm here in Shylan, right? And I'm searching up other songs. And Shylan has this song called Mission Accomplished that I came across. I've heard that. Yeah. That song rocked my soul when I, because sitting there listening to the rap and I was like, at first, my first reaction was, I can't believe this man is rapping this. He's a heretic. I can't believe he's saying that. <laughs> and then I went back and listened. To, and then I went back and listened to it again. And I was just like, Oh my goodness, this is starting to make sense. <laughs> I went back and listened to it a third time, and it was like, Man, what have I been believing my whole life? You know. And, and it's like he he it made so much sense that the logical conclusion for those of y'all who don't know who who listening, mission accomplished talks about for those whom Christ died, and he explains how. That, you know, because the chorus goes, God knows he tried. And he's saying that, like, what are you saying when you say that Jesus Christ came and died for every single individual past, present, and future? And then what do you say when certain people go to hell? Like, are you saying that God tried to save them and then failed? And he was like, perish the thought. Like, like that, like, no. And then he started talking about the triune working of God in our salvation, how the Father elects and how the Son sets free, and the Holy Spirit seals. And he says, the Father and the Spirit, uh, are co- the Father, Son, and Spirit are completely unified in our salvation. If the election is not universal, and if the regeneration is not universal, then how can the atonement be universal? Mm. He said, that will put the Father, Son, and the Spirit at odds with each other. But as, as I sat there and listened to that, my eyes, at that point, I became reformed. I mean, I, I mean, I began, I began, I began looking and searching and studying and certain stuff just began to make so much sense to me. And matter of fact, this is, this is what led to me stopping the witch hunts, uh, you know what I'm saying, on, on folks, because I began to understand that why would I sit here and harp about what sinners are doing? That's what sinners do. What I should do is present the gospel as a solution to sin. And say, you know, because so like now, like it comes like, did you hear what Beyonce did? Well, you know, I expect Beyonce to do what Beyonce does because she's a sinner. But here's the response to that. Here's the biblical response to this. Here's, you know, and here's why we shouldn't do this. Here's why, oh, here's why God hates that, you know, and so forth. And there's like, here's what God did in order to circumvent the effects of that, you know. And, and it got to a point to me saying like, oh, look, like, Sinners are going to love what sinners do. Yeah, I can sit here and preach to them, talk to them blue in the face about how such and such might be a devil worshiper. They don't care. The music sounds good or they're good actresses and actors and so forth. But however, if you go to them and you deal with them and say, hey, you know, I noticed that you're doing this here. Like, you know, do you understand that this leads to death? You know, if I didn't love you, I will let you just do this. But because I love you, I want to point you to somebody who can deliver you from your you're from your desire to do this or from your or from this feeling that you have to do this. And, 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 and it caused me to just have more genuine conversations with real people about their real issues as opposed to focusing on somebody in a spotlight who's doing exactly what they want to do. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and, and, and again, this through music, 
And so from that point on, I began like listening and searching for more. And there's a lot, there's so many, so many artists out there, so many classic rap albums in the Christian hip hop community that I have yet to even hear, you know, because I hear people talk about them all the time, but like there's just so much out there. And with a, with a rap song, just like you said, you can put so much content um, into a song. Well, you and, know, and, and one, of things, one of the things I think is interesting is the fact that the first time I got that I heard a rap song, period, was a guy who now he's on our board of directors. And we went out to the Creation Museum. He put in his music. Basically, whoever drove got to choose the music. And my stuff was all hymns and classical music. <laughs> and he starts driving and he pops in this rap music. And I just looked at him like, I'm going to have to listen to this for the next four hours while he's driving. And we started talking about the music. And he, he had one of the most profound things that I, that really helped me to understand the whole music genre in a different light. And he said to me, he's like, because I asked him, I said, why why do you listen to to this? I mean, to me, at that time, it sounded like just shouting. Mm-hmm. And he said, if you want theology in song today, written contemporary, you're listening to rap music. He says, everything yeah. else is love songs about my boyfriend, Jesus. Mm-hmm. And I yeah. went, Wow. Like, I mean, that was the reason I listened to hymns. He, he had said the only way you're going to get the theology that you used to get in hymns is going to come out of rap music. It's not coming out of anything else. And I was like, there is a thing. I do have concerns with music itself because music is closer to the emotion and can influence mm-hmm. you more than the mind. So mm-hmm. you can have people that turn off their thinking because of the emotion that can come through music. And so you have to evaluate two things. One, the lyrics, are they biblical? The music, is it biblical? And I got to be honest, the, yes, the, the style, genre of, of music is a fast pace, but it doesn't seem to be a sinful thing. Like there is a, styles like metal music that, that actually creates a tension in the body. Mm-hmm. Um, where I've, you know, I do a lot of street ministry in New York City. And one of the things we will be out there sharing the gospel. And later in the evening, what's been happening more and more regularly is, especially on the, on the Saturday nights, this is theological you get a bunch of guys legal in that nature. are freestyling. But to understand and it, folks we must first like me that understand didn't know what legal was. predicament. You just get guys that because one person will just God, start off, either I someone throws something out as a topic or we are someone just in his starts and, and must the be next guy has to It's like a competition. You see, since we have sinned against no an infinitely holy God, what they're going to be rapping an about. Punishment. And they take whatever is given and they go with this it. This is and the it, one time it, event it actually, when God declares the lawbreaker how much of an art righteous rap in his music court. has become. Yeah. It's been said and that to be justified means that God think of it that way. I mean, look, I'm, I'm of a different generation. I didn't grow up listening to it. So to me, it took some listening and going, wow, this isn't what I expected. Jesus lived the life we couldn't live and died the death we should have died and was resurrected on the third day. It takes realizing that Jesus fulfilled the requirements of the law and paid the fine for our law breaking. If we repent and believe in him, God credits his righteousness to our account. Only then are we seen just if I'd been Jesus. This has been another growing moment with Robert Houghton. For more information, visit growthproject.org.
So, so let's, let's talk about bars. What, mm-hmm. what is it you look for in, in, in your host in your guests? I mean, uh, what do you look to achieve? And, and also, okay, give folks a reason to listen. All right. So, well, for one, like if you're one of those folks who are looking for a new artist to listen to for new music, you know, cause I'm one of those folks like, man, sometimes man, like I'm, I got, I love the artists that I listen to, but I just, sometimes I just crave to hear somebody new, somebody different. Uh, with a different tone, vocal timer, all that. Uh, that's one of the things that Bars was about. It was about uh, making people aware of other Christian artists who are solid in theology. At least, at least I try to keep people solid in theology. I, 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 and I'm going to be all the way 100 on this one, all the way honest on this. There's been some guys who, who I brought on who I thought was legit at first. And then after a while, I kind of see them like on social media and mm-hmm. the way they interact with some of the things that come out of their mouth. And I'm kind of just like, uh. You know, but it's like it's kind of a little too late now. But, you know, um, again, at the same time, you know, it's like you're trying not to be, um, you know, you're not trying to try not to be unfair. But, like, you know, it's, it's like, man, like, like, we just put a stamp of approval on you and you're kind of, you know, you're, you're kind of uh, just you're, you're acting a little heathenistic right now. You're acting like well, a little heathen right the, now. The problem with thinking that you put a stamp of approval on someone is we really I, I knew one pastor. He basically didn't read any commentaries from living people because he's like mm-hmm. guys because they're not gonna they're not gonna disappoint me <laughs> you know right I yeah he's like there's no room for them to change right now so. i mean we're look we're, we're all growing and for many of us we're they're they're genuine believers we're gonna grow yeah, closer to christ but there are people yeah. that profess christ that put on a good face put on a good front and they they may even be deceived themselves I mean, that's what Matthew yeah. 7, 21, 23 would say, right? Many come to Lord and he's in, to Christ in that final judgment. Many will come to me in that day and say, Lord, Lord, haven't we done many great things in your name? Cast out demons, healed the sick. And I will declare to you, I never knew you. Depart from me, you practice lawlessness. I mean, there yeah. are people that are deceived into thinking they are believers. And they are, you know, I'm working on, I'm preaching through the book of Jude. And you look at Jude and it's like he provides a clear things of what to look for in false teachers. And they're, they're people who they put up that good spiritual front, but you start to see over time, it's about self. They, they're looking to, to serve themselves. They want everyone else to serve them. It really is something that they're deceived and deceiving. And it's something that you may bring someone on. And especially when they're in an industry like the music industry, there's a lot of temptations there, and when people start to get big, they they get dragged into some of that. And yeah, you know, and we we see that quite a bit lately. Um, uh, we uh, quite a bit, man. There's there's been uh, this year. I haven't heard it so much, but like I know, like I feel like last year, it just seems like like a lot of guys who had established themselves as Christian artists were either falling away from the Christian genre, so to speak. Um, you know, like they was like, man, you know, we're not going to make exclusively. Christian music anymore, or you know, so okay. gonna, yeah, let's no. let's talk about that for a minute because I may maybe you and I might have some differing issues on that. But mm-hmm. so, do you do you think that a Christian who is also a music artist that everything they do must be uh, either Christian based, spiritual based, or gospel like uh, that? No, I I don't. And, and at one point, I kind of did. 
Um, but I mostly did for for for, the, for these particular artists mostly because of the simple fact is that's how they built their fan base. You know, um, okay. you, you know, I mean, it's like it's like they built their fan base that way, and then all of a sudden it's like now that you like kind of big and kind of out there, it's like hey, you know, I don't want to do Christian music anymore. And back when you were underground and people barely knew who you were, you were like, man, I'm gonna go hard in the paint. And then so, like so now, your issue, but, your issue would be more if they're if they you if they're using the 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 base a Christian base to build a platform and then they, they take that platform to expand it so they can be bigger. You'd have a problem with them doing it, doing it to, to do non specifically Christian songs. In other words, doing, doing a secular song that's not unbiblical, but if they're right. doing to, to build a platform, you'd have an issue. But, but if they're, but you wouldn't have an issue with someone that's just doing a song that may not have to be specifically about Christ, but yeah, still, no, not, not at all. Cause, because because okay. here's the so thing, like I don't, I don't right. think, yeah, I, I don't think that it's totally wicked to sing like a love. Song. Like, I, for example, I don't listen to just Christian music. I listen to, to, I think there are some good songs out there, some good love songs, or or just good storytelling songs that are out there that aren't necessarily uh, theologically driven. You know, what I mean, I feel, you know, um, of course, like I said, me personally, I can't listen to anything that 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 you know praises demonism or blasphemes God or anything like that. But not every song that's not Christian does that. You know, um, some songs are just beautiful. Like, I love old school R&B, um, you know what I'm saying? Or just, you know, I, I really love, I, I like a lot of rock and roll songs, mostly for, like, their melodies and so forth. Like, I don't think that there's anything wrong with those types of music. My issue has always been, like, how somebody comes out and they make this declaration of what kind of artist they're going to be. And then when they get up into the spotlight, all of a sudden now you want to be a different artist. Now, mind you, yeah. I get it. People do change. People do grow. Uh, and I think a lot of us had a hard time accepting that in a sense. And, and you know, at this point, and, I, and I've listened to some of the stuff and, you know, and I'm like, you know what? Like, honestly, it's safe music. My children can listen to it. I don't have to worry about them being tainted. I don't feel like it's stepped away from. Um, you know, that, that, that it puts them in a place to where it draws them from God or anything like that. Um, but however, you know, I think as Christians, we definitely want to be careful about the type of message that we send out there to the world. Cause remember, we're like, we're in the world, but we're not of it. So then it's like, when I see you collaborating with an artist who blatantly blaspheme God, then it's like, okay, well now, like, like, what are you doing? Like, I understand that you don't want to make exclusively gospel music, but like now you're walking hand in hand with somebody who takes God's name in vain. And, and, and whose whole album was booty and sex, you know, and all this other stuff. And it's like all, but you want to, it's like you're walking hand in hand with them, you well, know, and it looks but if like. The music, the, if, if music's still maybe secular. So let me give you a, a, for an example. We have, at Striving yeah. Community, we're working on a, on a book publishing company. And we have our editor. She does music on the side. Now her mm-hmm. album, she, when, I, when I was like, oh, let me, let me give, listen to your album. She actually was like, well, you know, it was just him and Han. What's up? And she's like, I just wanted you to realize that it's a secular album. Like, she's a Christian. Mm-hmm. She's doing mm-hmm. songs, though, that are not specifically about Christ. And she has so many Christians that give her a hard time. And the thing is, is that her, the music's not unbiblical. It's not like you're saying. It's not glorifying demons or things like that. Or, but, right, know. right, right. But she's like, you know, does every song need to be? about Christ. I say the same with movies. I mean, you know, I think one of the things as 
Christians in in the arts, we should be producing good family friendly movies that are they don't have to be necessarily everything is about like every movie must be the gospel um but it should be things where people can enjoy entertainment and mm-hmm. it not be corny like you mentioned and you know yeah um, most definitely I, and and i think that's where i i i, I wholeheartedly agree with that Again, I, I still think it, I mean I still think definitely that it definitely needs to be done in wisdom and carefully. But at the same time, you know, it doesn't have to be exclusively gospel. Now, me as an artist, I'm I'm exclusive gospel. I'm, I I choose to be that way for the simple purposes that um, I I choose to be that way because I, I I struggle with like I struggle with pride. I I I, I wait wait, I wait. You, mean, you mean you're like every other human being? <laughs> okay, yeah. just checking. Yeah. Yeah, I, you know, honestly, like when I felt... I mean, the people know, who tell me they don't struggle with pride are the ones I'm concerned about. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm together. I got it together. I'm, I'm not prideful at all. <laughs> you know, I, I like what Matt Sickle say, you know, for, for guys that are sinless perfectionists, he's like, give me, give me five minutes with them. I'll prove they're sinners. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Five minutes. That's all yeah. I need. Maybe less. Yeah. You know, I, I, but I mean, like, because of that, it's like, you know, I, I honestly, I, I just want to keep my focus on Christ. Like, I, I set out as a preacher with the mission of getting people, of, of, of uh, basically leading people back to the scripture, you know, so to speak, like just preaching the word, showing them how, like, this word that so many people from the pulpit neglect is actually, it's beyond fascinating and beyond fulfilling and, and beyond a blessing, you know? And so it's like, well, if I'm going to put, if I'm going to do music, like, it's like, I have to keep it there because it, it, it helps me to recognize who it is that is the center of my being and, and so forth. And not only that, I hope to be able to teach somebody through, or at least edify them, you know, edify them through what I'm saying and doing. Now, I don't knock the next person who chooses not to do that? Because like I've listened to some of these things. Like for example, I've listened to uh, um, Andy Minio's uh, album, latest album, The Sword. Which, by the way, a lot of Christian themes, uh, a lot of Christian. Um, I mean, he in in so many ways. He, if you listen to the whole thing, you can piece together the gospel message in it. Um, but however, he deals with he deals he just he's just dealing with some issues and uh, certain certain stuff. Uh, like for example, like he'll say um, like. Like, you know, he'll talk about how, like, when people are talking about him, it's like it's none of his business. Now, mind you, I don't think it's a horrible album. Some some other folks might be like, yo, we like older Andy Minio better. But me personally, um, when I, it's one of those albums that when I'm at work, because, um, by the way, I'm a, I'm a registrar. I work at a group home uh, for teenage, at-risk teenage youth, uh, youth. And sometimes I have to sit and sub a classroom. Um, and as they're working on their work, I can play music. And rather than playing like a lot of the junk that they're listening to, you know, I can play, I can put on, Andy, I, I feel very safe putting on Andy Minio's album and they actually love it, you know, and they hear stuff. And like one of the last things you're hearing on the album is how Jesus takes away sin, you know, mm-hmm. and, 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 and they get a kick out of it. Now it's not, I wouldn't say it's exclusive. It was not exclusive gospel content. And there's plenty of a couple of times where Andy says some stuff that pretty much reveals, um, his, his, um, him, him being a human, you know, yeah. his, his emotions towards certain people and stuff like that. But it's, it's nothing wicked. It's not, I don't think it's demonic or any of that nature. Well, um, you also bring but, out a different aspect of it. And that is, and that's what a lot of people forget about that music is a form of teaching. You know, one of the things people don't think about, I tell this a lot because 
people don't think about it. But where do we get most of our theology? If you, if you study almost any systematic theology, the book that's going to be quoted more, almost more than any other is Psalms. Mm. Why? Why would they? What? Why would you have, be quoting the Psalms so much? Because in a in a culture that wasn't always literate, but they they memorized word for word, they memorized audibly. Music was one of the ways of doing that. Most of the teaching that we have about God from God comes from music. They would mm. memorize their theology in song. That's that's actually the thing that's really did impress me with the, with rap music as I and I still like I said I'm not a music guy I just it's just mm-hmm. not my style but yeah I've been very impressed with what I've heard from a lot of different artists because it really that's what I see happening with a lot of this genre it is yeah. it is packing theology into a means of training through memorization and much of it is memorizing good theology. Now, is there guys doing some bad theology? Of course there is. And like yeah. anything else, you, you got to know what your, who your teacher is. You got to know what he's being taught. <laughs> that's true. That is true. Matter of fact, I'm glad you said that because um, that's when I have a lot of, like, again, growing up in a black church, you know, we grew up on like artists like Richard Smallwood or, um, or uh, uh, Donnie McClurkin and Kirk Franklin. And so, you know, uh, Mary Marys and, and so forth, and, and um, sh- let's see, Shirley Caesar. I mean, like, there's different, there's different artists, and like, it's crazy because, like, as as God has blessed me to understand uh, sound theology and so forth, I go back and I listen to a lot of the songs that I grew up hearing, and some of them I just can't stand anymore <laughs> because of <laughs> because of the poor theology that comes from it. Like, for really, like one of the one of the one of the one of the ones that I hate the most, and it's one of the most common songs sung um, in a Baptist church. Jesus is on the main line, and, and the reason why I hate that because it's Jesus is on the main line. Call him up and tell him what you want, you know. And that to me, hearing that, wow. it sounds like. Tell Jesus your will, you know, yeah. saying, forget his will. Tell him what you want. Call him up. Tell him what you want. You just call him up. Tell him what you like. I hate that song now. <laughs> you know I mean? I, like, I, like, I can't like I cannot stand it. It sounds like some old like a whole prosperity gospel song. And when you listen to a lot of what's hot today, um, especially again, and, and I, I know I'm saying like within a black two, church because two, that's what's familiar to me. Books but any church website, that has visit, like charismatic or Pentecostal leaning, like these songs are popular. And a lot of these songs, they're, they're saying things like they, it's your season, you know, or you know, and, and a lot of it is it's an emotional based song because they have an emotional worship. You know, one of the most simple. I remember reading something in Charismatic Magazine and it was one of the most critical things I've thought of, of being from my side, from a fundamentalist Baptist possession, it, but it, it, it stung for a lot of folks if they thought about it, because what this article said was basically the fundamentalists attack the charismatic movement by being, because of its emotionalism. And yet so many of those churches use music sung by charismatics for charismatics. And it was like, wow. You know, and they were pointing out that like 80% of all the Music that's sung in churches is written by charismatics, and they're written with that emotionalism. And mm-hmm. so I think that's it's a very telling thing. Now, let me ask you. So,
you're from Omaha. Yeah. You know, there's a guy I, uh, from that I, you know, I know from the Bars Podcast Network. He actually, I think the state was named after him. Do, do you know, do you know the one and only Virgil Walker? They know, they just call him Omaha now. Hey, do they? Yeah. I, I figure Vita. the whole state that's, must that's, be named after him, right? Yeah, yeah. No, we, Vita, we call him Vita. That's, that's my man right there. Yeah. Hey, so <laughs> I, I, let me tell you how I, I came across him accidentally one day, properly exegeting Matthew 7 on YouTube and come to find out that he was like, oh snap, you stay in Omaha. And. And um, back then, um, he and I, well, actually, okay, so back then he was, uh, he was part of the Abolitionist Society of Omaha. So he was sharing some things, and I ended up sharing some things. Make a long story short, I ended up connecting with him. And uh, he and I, well, along with some other, some other brothers and sisters of Christ, we used to go to the, the abortion clinic and preach the gospel uh, to people trying to go in, get ready to go in to go and uh, kill their babies. Um, now. He's, we both kind of, all right, so I'm trying to think how, I'm trying to make a long story short because I know the abolitionists, uh, you got some crazies that, that has basically oh, yeah. like a bad name to the, to the, to the abolitionist movement. Yeah, yeah, and I know. I, 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 it was a term that I can't, that I started using way back when, um, I, I started using the, the argument against abortion when 180 came out. <clears throat> if you if you know the movie 180 from Living Waters. Yeah, when yeah. that came out, I used to use an argument about Hitler with abortion. And once that movie came out, I knew everyone was going to just say, oh, you're just Ray Comfort, oh, Ray Comfort. So I want to think of something different. And at the time, I was reading a book on the you know, man that many may know, John Brown. He was a guy who really was instrumental in ending slavery, but he didn't mm-hmm. do it in a good way. I mean, he was, he was a professing believer, but... I mean, he took the matters into his own hands in a bad way. And, but he had a good intentions. And realistically, he, even though it, it cost him his life, he really is instrumental in, in putting an end to it. And I started to think about it. And I went, wait a minute. You know, you put these things together. And this is the argument I make at, at abortion clinics when I go. And mm-hmm. it's the only time I've ever had the police called on me was because I made this argument. And they really didn't like it. But I asked, the, I, I actually try to make an argument for slavery. Okay, now, now don't get upset with me, folks. But no. <laughs> the, way, the way I do it is I'm, I'm, there, there could be arguments that people can make for slavery being good. And so I try to do that on purpose. Why? Because I want the person, because usually they have people that are listening from inside. They can hear us. This particular time, there was a guard standing outside. And mm-hmm. he was African-American and I wanted him to hear me. And I was making a case for slavery and he was getting upset with me. And I will keep making a case and ask them why it's wrong until they say one thing. There's one thing they're always going to say, that it is wrong to say you can own another person. Mm-hmm. And once they say that, my argument is done because they just caved in on abortion. Because once yeah. they say that it is wrong to say this is my property about another human being, I turned and I said to Sarah, I said, sir, then you explain this to me. If you say ownership of another human being is wrong and it is wrong to say this is my property, then how can you let these women come in and say this is my body and kill a human being? Not every slave was killed. They lived. Some actually even, you know, if you read uh, 12 Years a Slave, he, he says, 
you know, Solomon says that in the first few years when he was a slave, he wouldn't have thought it so bad. You know, so there were some men that weren't always as bad. But the thing is, is that they didn't all get killed. But every woman coming in here, it's an issue Mm -hmm. of ownership. I own my body. I own everything in my body. And I have a right to kill another human being because it's my body. It's an ownership issue. That's when the police got called on me with this gentleman. And so- That that's where I started. I started arguing that way, and then I guess some others came up. And I, I've, if you know my history with with the, the folks over at AHA, um, they don't like me very much. I I argue that they're a cult. Um, yeah, you know. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it grew into that. You know, and and, and here's yeah. crazy. My father, my father told me that. You know, said so when I started, I said, Dad, you know, said so really we should be pushing for abolition, which I still believe that. I still definitely believe that abolition. It's far better than uh, pro-life incrementalism, um, you know what I mean, and so forth, and that, you know, that basically we need to start treating uh, abortion, like what it is, murder, um, which, like, you know, like if I was to murder a pregnant woman, they'd hit me with double homicide, but yet if she was to take that baby inside and kill it, if that baby dies by itself, it's not, you know, I mean, oh, yeah. you know, but, you know what I'm saying, but like, you know, I definitely, um, I'm definitely all for uh, the abolition of the abortion industry, but um, I, I think Virgil and I both removed ourselves from kind of because it's like folks who were in the name of abolition were doing just some crazy things that I could not agree with. Like I don't agree with protesting a church just because they're not doing exactly what you're doing to fight abortion. You know, um, I, I'm not, I'm not with that, you know? Well, and, it, and so it, t- it tells you actually where their heart is when they, you know, they, they come to shepherd's conference every year. And yeah, there was a G, they, there was a G3 the other year. <laughs> yeah, and 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 yeah. I know they don't like when I'm there. I mean, I actually it was really funny cuz what what we actually caught on tape with one of their guys saying to someone else saying, "Hey, listen, uh, one of their founders, Toby, it was like, you know, Toby said to keep Rappaport away from him." Like, "Oh, he must be really hmm. afraid." So once once I overheard that, I was like, "Oh, no, 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 no." You know, I would have been fine talking to some of the others, but if he's scared of me, okay, then you're going to deal with me. <laughs> yeah, you know, crazy. And, uh, but but the thing is, you know, I, I, there is an issue. I mean, and and that's why I love what the ministry Virgil does, and I got to get him on. I want to actually interview him because yeah. the ministry he's doing out there is is needful. And there's a lot of places where the private abortion clinics are closing down across this country because. Mm of the preaching of the gospel. And yeah. if really, if look, if we defunded Planned Parenthood, abortion probably wouldn't be an issue anymore. That's that's the yeah. simple reality. Because- I mean, we, 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 we kind of said, we, we said that, I was about to say like one of the things though, like defunding Planned Parenthood is I think a, a definitely a good thing. Um, but I've, I've also kind of been of the belief that like, if we defund them, it's gonna, the funds are gonna go elsewhere. Oh and yeah. That's how it seems to me, yeah. You know, yeah, they will, so, they will because, because a corrupt government is still going to be corrupt. But, but the, the thing yeah. is that the only thing really propping them up is they got the money. Um, yeah. So, so um, because we're going we're gonna to have to wrap this up. We, we're gonna, <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is the problem. Like, I, I, I kind of expect this. When you and I talked on the phone the other, the other time, I was like, okay, this is going to be a fun show because I could just see, I mean, I have a whole list of, of things, of other topics I wanted to get into with you. Um, some stuff with social justice and, and the gospel and stuff like that. Okay, I, I tell you what, I'll sum that up real quick. 
Listen, the gospel is the solution. When by me saying it doesn't mean just preach the gospel. What it means is, is to go out, preach the gospel, teach people to observe all that Jesus Christ has taught you, and love God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and love your neighbor as you love yourself. Because when you're doing those things, guess what you don't have? These issues, uh, with, with, with uh, these social issues and so forth. And then granted, you know, because we live in a sinful world, we're going to have sinful people who do sinful things, like practice stuff like racism and so forth. And the only answer to a situation like racism it's not another march it's not more laws because if that stuff would have worked then we wouldn't have racism the solution to those things is the very solution to sin because that's exactly what it is it's sin so you preach the gospel and you love your neighbor and you pray for your enemies just like christ told us to do and that that's how you affect your community it's a it's a, as an individual as a christian you affect your community by loving your neighbor through the and, and through the preaching of the gospel and the discipleship of those people with whom that you preach the gospel to, and I mean, maybe, no, maybe that's, I'm that's it. I mean, that's it. I mean, the, yeah. the only thing, like I just uh, the last the last podcast I did, I brought up the fact that you know everyone's looking to be a victim. You know, there's only one true victim in this world. His name was yeah. Jesus Christ, and he chose to be a victim for the, yeah. for the salvation of you and I. <laughs> mm. And and yeah. we turn and say say oh no 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 I I got my I got my tribe I'm sorry but yeah. you know this world I'm passing through this yeah. is not my home heaven yeah. is where I'm looking to spend eternity and I'm not gonna fight with people that I'm gonna spend eternity with over stupid things like yeah how much melanin you have in your skin or not you know it's yeah, like it, it, it doesn't matter I'm I mean yeah, I'm, 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 I'm mind you and, and me saying that and that's, like 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 because I agree with you and me saying that it's not saying that I don't care when something wicked happens I do care oh yeah I, I care whole I care wholeheartedly I, my my heart weeps for the families who have lost loved ones through acts of hate and acts of violence what I'm saying is is that this is the issue that's bigger than how much melanin you have or don't have. Well, you, you know, the here's, the thing, here's the thing. I can I prove that people that are the social justice warriors don't care about social justice all the time. Here's the simple ways of doing it. One, they want to talk about uh, slavery in this country from from centuries ago, right? And then mm-hmm. we got to yeah. correct that. But here's the question: Then why are you not up defending those who are who are slaves? Just it with within my parents' generation, my people. Mm. The Jewish people were enslaved in Germany. How about you You deal with the fact that there were slaves in America that were the Japanese during that same time? Oh, we don't even talk about that. You really want yeah. a social justice issue? Let's talk real social justice. Let's talk about the fact the, the hundreds of thousands of women that have been kidnapped or abducted, mm-hmm. forced into mm-hmm. sexual slavery, human traffic, mm-hmm. trafficking today. And you don't hear yep, today. social justice warriors. They don't want to talk about that. No, that that's that's not an issue to them. They want to talk right. about writing wrongs hundreds of years ago from people who have been long dead, but they don't want to talk about the things going on right now. And you know why? Because many of them give into that, help pay for that through their, their pornography and other things. And some of it actually, you know, participate in that. All right. So the reality is you want to say you're against social, you want social justice, you want to right wrongs, right the wrongs that are being done today with these women that are being kidnapped and forced into slavery for for some guy's sexual fantasy. Let's deal with that. Why don't they ever want to deal with that as an issue? Sorry, I'll get off my hobby off. No, I I totally understand, man. And that's what I said, like, like, honestly, like I said, like, like all of the stuff that's happening in this world, it's a result of the fall. 
And the only way that you're going to counteract that is with the gospel. It's the gospel that's the power of God. I, I mean, you know, like I said, I, I don't know what more you want that, that, that you think can happen for a person who, who, who is saturated with hate for another person. What, what more can you say or do for that person? What do you want? You want them to talk about it? You want them to talk about how much they hate you? That doesn't make sense to me. You know, um, and granted, again, it, it, I, I do want to say this, because I, I, I like to always try to be fair and balanced. I think on both sides of the argument that there are people who are pushing extremes. Oh, yeah. You know, oh, yeah. I, the, the, you know on both sides of the argument, I, like there are some folks who are, who are flat out denied that stuff is happening. And it's like, well, no, that's not true. There are some but, things that are but, happening. I'll, but, I'll, give you, I'll give you, for instance, I, I went to a conference where I was asked to speak on uh, witnessing to LGBTQM plus, you know, with all the different letters. <laughs> You're just getting that alphabet. We're into the alphabet. Yeah, yeah. And so I, I had the, the role to, to say, how do you witness to feel like this? Now, the first guy who got up, he though everything he said, he preached more of a political message than a biblical message. It was more of a, um, you know, it, I mean, he, what he said was historically accurate and, and there was good information. Mm-hmm. The problem I saw with it is the what ended up happening is Every there were several African Americans that came in. By the time I got up to speak, every one of them left mm. after the first message, because there wasn't the balance. It it really for people who you now granted this this guy was white. I'm white, okay, but there's a lot of people that don't understand the experience, don't understand what people go through, what people have struggled with, and they mm. make light of it. Now. Maybe I'm more sensitive to it because I grew up a generation after the Holocaust. I grew up hearing about how my family members, my ancestors, people I was related to were being killed in in concentration camps. Um, so so I realized the the reality of it. Now, I didn't go through that, and I don't blame I don't blame Germans today. In fact, yeah. my my daughter's about to marry a German. Uh, next uh, this weekend, and 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 even worse, her initials are going to be SS after she gets married. Like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> how, how's that for social justice? <laughs> yeah, how's that? But, you know, there there is a balance that needs to be there, and and I think that you can deliver a truthful message, but but it needs to be done in a way that's with some understanding of where people are at, because not everyone's at the same point, and we can't make light of the struggle that others have that we can't understand and we shouldn't expect them to make light on ours and and they shouldn't because every one of us is different. But here's the thing. And I think this is really the main thing you're trying to get to is the, the, we're all the same. We come to the same spot at the foot of the cross. We're going to spend eternity together. And you know what? When, When we're in eternity, the issue of how much melanin you have or the lack of melanin that I have is not going to be an issue that's going to come up at all. No. Nope. You know? Yeah. yeah. Our bodies won't care. No, we're just going to be glad that we're sitting at the feet of Christ, sharing with him and talking with him. So, so talking about the, the gospel, let's, I want to, I want to wrap up with this. I, and yeah. I told you we're going to do this and it is our spiritual transition game. Okay. It's time now to start the spiritual transition game. So for folks who may not know, uh, this is going to be where T is going to give me something to share the God, to get from whatever he gives me. I got to transition from whatever he gives me to the gospel. Now we do this because most people think, oh, I just, I pray that God gives me an opportunity to share the gospel. 
I knew someone that actually said this. They, they prayed when they got on a plane that, that God would give them an opportunity to share the gospel with the person next to them. And mm-hmm. the person next to them said, what are you reading? And he said, a Bible. And they said, oh, what does it teach? <laughs> and he didn't, he didn't share the gospel. He, he actually got off and he was just like, I, I was waiting for a good opportunity. <laughs> it was wow. like, it sounds like you had one. The reality is this. We pray for opportunities, but you don't have to pray. You practice this game. You can make an opportunity. I believe you can take any conversation with training, with practice of just learning how to interact with people, learning how to think about things, take anything and and find a way to turn and twist that into a story to make it about the gospel, to where you can share it about the gospel. We're going to see how well I do. T's going to tease something up for me, pun intended, sorry. Um, <laughs> he, he's he's going to tease something up for me to try to transition to the gospel. Okay. All right. Let me see if I can do this. Um, hey, man, what's the last time you painted a room? Well, that depends if I, if physically me painting it or having a friend of mine paint it, they could be different <laughs> because <laughs> I, I actually did. We, we just had, we, we just had recently, uh, my, my kids moved out of the house. They've gone off. They're out on their own now. And as you know, having kids, right, they can kind of be messy. Yeah. And so, man, it was, it was great to like say, you know, what? we're going to paint the house so it's nice and clean. No joke. No joke. We painted, not all the house. We paint, a friend of mine came in. He's, he's a professional painter. He paints most of the rooms. Did like half my house. And I mean, wouldn't you know, my daughter comes home. She's moving out of the house. She's getting her stuff because she's moving up to, to Boston. And man, just taking a box down the stairs. Sure enough, right along the side of the stairs, there's this brown mark. <laughs> And, right. And it's, it's like, you know, years ago, I wouldn't have mind because there's tons of marks on the wall, but it just got painted. So, we're, you know, now it's like that, that desire to like, we got to clean this up. We got to make it look good again, especially because we got a wedding this weekend and everyone's coming into town. So I'm going to be painting um, this weekend before actually before the weekend to kind of clean that up. But the reality is we want things to look nice and clean, especially when the others are coming in, even though we know that underneath it, it, it it's, it's filthy. It's, you know, it took my daughter, the, when we bought in, moved in this house, the previous owner painted this beautiful mural uh, in one room. But in my daughter's room, that mural, well, it was all the Disney female characters like Belle and all that. And, and they, and Tinkerbell looked evil. I mean, my daughter just have nightmares because of this. And <laughs> it, it was this oil-based paint that it literally took, I think it was like six layers of kills. Kills is a, a, is a thing to, to kind of put a primer that's really thick so you can paint over it. it. It was like six layers of kills and then six or seven um, layers of paint on top of it. And it kept bleeding through and the thing that was so wild about that was here's this this painting that just no matter how many layers we put over it to make it look clean, it just kept bleeding through. And we're trying to hide it and cover it up and it's bleeding through. And the reality is I, I think that that really points to some things about us. You know, we want everything to look clean on the outside and yet there is something within us that bleeds through that even though we try to mask it from everybody, everyone sees it. Everyone sees that we do things that are called sin. We do things that are wrong and we try to mask it and hide it and cover it up. 
Yet in our own conscience, we know we do things that are wrong. It's actually called sin. And, and the only standard we can have to, to justify what is sin, what isn't, what's right, what's wrong, is you need an absolute standard that's not subjective, but objective. And that standard would be God himself because he created everything. And therefore, morality is based on, on his nature. So when we, we know him, we know that we break his law, we, we violate his commandments to us. That's what causes that guilt that we feel. And yet, even though we have that guilt, we know that there will be a consequence with that. It bleeds through no matter how much we try to cover it up. And there's going to be a judgment day. We're going to stand before God and all of it's going to be revealed. All that paint that we paint over, try to mask something, it's going to be stripped away and we're going to stand before God and it's going to be exposed, everything. And we're going to have one of two things that's going to happen. Either we're going to stand there exposed and we're going to be judged by God for all the works that we've done, or we're going to have already have accepted before we died the work of one person, God himself, who came to earth and died on a cross as a payment for us that because of the work he did, we can be set free. And so the question we have to ask ourselves this side of death is what do we do with Jesus Christ, God Almighty, who died on a cross on our behalf? Do we repent and receive what he did or do we think that in our pride we can do it on our own and stand before god being exposed before all that's the question that we have so that's how i would go from painting the room to the gospel dude that's that's got to be the dopest thing i've ever heard <laughs> <laughs> crazy i i didn't think he was gonna pull this one off <laughs> I, I mean i was i was even real with you i was i was trying I tried to stump you. Have you even heard? Was that a new one? That, 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 was, new one? that was a new one. That was a new one. And, and you got to keep in mind, T, I, I've been doing this. My pastor trained me to do this back in the early, uh, well, actually the late, late 80s. And I've been doing this for going on almost 30 years. And so I wow. practice all the time. We do this every week. We, when we do our, our Striving for Journey Academy, before we do the live show, I do it every week. And you can actually go onto our YouTube channel on Striving for Journey YouTube channel. And we, we have a whole list of them and it's, it's just, it's practice. That's all it is, man. It is, it's, it's yeah, realistically yeah. to take it back to something we were talking about earlier. It's no different than the guys that are freestyling on the streets. They're taking yeah. one thing and they're, they're turning and twisting it to get it to where they want it to go. You can do that with practice. Wow. And I, I, just I, be I, called I, dope. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, that was really good, man. I was just told time I'm sitting there. It's like, this man is preaching. He's preaching. <laughs> See, if you do it well, the, the person you're 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 talking with, they're they're going with the conversation. They don't even recognize that you did a transition. There, there yeah. was one guy who I had on, and he was actually listening to figure out, okay, when did the transition happen? He 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 listens to the show, so he was he goes, you know, I listen for when you make that transition because sometimes it's so subtle that I don't even pick up that you transitioned. And yeah. there's sometimes where I don't know where I'm gonna go with it. You know, I started actually yeah. with that one. I was gonna go in a different direction at first with the I was gonna go in the realm of being a whitewashed tomb that, you know, in Israel they used to yeah, whitewash yeah. the tombs. They they make them look all pretty on the outside for holidays and yet they're full of dead men's bones. They're rotten and, and decaying things. That's where I was gonna yeah, go. That work. But nah that, that one work. Work. Yeah. yeah, that 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 oil painted thing that I like, just keep bleeding through. That sin just keep bleeding through. Like, I like that. <laughs> I, I, See now I you're really gonna go like use that. that. You're gonna go use that. And I, that's the thing of the I, practice I, of this. Yeah, I I'm am, on the street. I, I, I and there are times I play this game, and and things come up that remind me of something that we 
we did in this game before and boom, I use it because I remembered it from the past. And then again, I have things where I have people that walk up to me at conferences and just throw something out of me and go, you know, artichoke arts gospel, go. And I'm like, uh, okay. <laughs> Next oh, time you see goodness. me at G3, that's what you're going to be doing. You're going to be walking up and. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. But like, seat cushion gospel, go. You know, <laughs> see what happens. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I, I, I like that, man. I, I was, that's pretty dope. I, I, wow. Well, you got to start practicing now, bro. I'm just if saying. You think I won't? I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to try it on my kids as soon as I go downstairs. <laughs> I'm, I'm so sincere. I'm about, I'm about to try it, this. it takes it takes a while at first. I mean, the first time my pastor yeah. he literally threw a set of keys on the on the table and said, "Go start a spiritual conversation from that set of keys." And I'm like, "How do you do that?" He's like, "Think about it." And so he goes, "Okay, I'm going to give you one, and then you're going to think about it." It took me like like five minutes, literally. Mm-hmm. I was sitting there trying to figure out how to do it, and but practicing, yeah. you get better. You know, it's funny because you said like you preacher threw keys out on the table, like. There's a lot of preachers that I come up around, like, they would have ate that one up. You know, they threw some keys on the table, and the only thing that would have came out of their mouth is, uh, prayer is the key in faith that locks the door. You know, and, like, that would have been it. <laughs> Somebody would have been like, amen! <laughs> you know? <laughs> and he, <laughs> and he <took> off. <laughs> well, hey, brother, it, it was great having you on. Folks, I want to encourage you to be listening to, you, you can look for Bar Podcast, and mm-hmm. R stands for Biblical and Reformed. And uh, you can listen to the Bar Spinners. I think that drops on Thursdays, if I'm correctly, correct? Yeah, typically, yeah. Now, mind you, I've um, I kind of been, been slowed down on shows just because of family things. You know, I think priority. Man, as much as I love doing the show, as much as I love making music, uh, I got to take care of my family first. Uh, but when I get a chance, so, so the, slows are kind of, the shows have been kind of coming a little bit slowly. But like, yes, the bar podcast, uh, com. you can check it there. You go on Facebook. There's the bar podcast page and we should put up the link. I did just, we, we did just post a show the other night, uh, where, uh, it was just a genuine conversation. It really wasn't with an artist, but it was with another Christian, uh, who's, uh, one of the admin or at least, uh, one of the participants of the reformed bars, uh, group, uh, which is, you know, just a, a community of people who listen to Christian rap, actually who listen to rap period, but we talk about music period in there, but, um, so there's that, um, definitely, uh, if I could say this, I, I also have a sermon audio. Uh, I've been working through the book of Romans, um, sermon audio, just T space Barlow, St. Matthew missionary Baptist church. Uh, I definitely would love to hear feedback. So you can find me on Facebook, T Demaris Barlow, that's T space D E I M A R I S space Barlow on Facebook, T D Barlow at, uh, on at T D Barlow Twitter, which is T D E I B A R L O W. Um, I think the same thing on Instagram. So I mean I would love to connect with folks. Um SoundCloud, T Barlow, I just got a few songs on there. Uh I got some music dropping soon as soon as I uh, get the mixing of stuff done. But I, there is a single that's out there now called Beautiful Jewel. Um, you know, listen you, you know, if you guys are into the Christian rap thing, go ahead and listen to that. Uh Beautiful Jewel, T Barlow, SoundCloud. Um yeah, and I, I think that's. And I'll be, a link, I'll be dropping a link to your sermon audio on there for folks that want to to go go back, binge on that, go back to his, you know, to chapter one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And definitely holler at me if you feel like I'm doctrinally off about something because I desire to be right. Um, okay, desire- but also also holler out at him if you like what you're hearing because the reality is is we yeah. often only hear the criticism and we don't get to hear when you know. And I'll say this as we close, yeah. folks. You know, drop some some reviews in the iTunes for the Bar Podcast, Bar Spinners. 
yes, you know, for, yes. for rap report. I mean, share them. You know, the, the, if you are encouraged by what you hear on these podcasts, realize that for most of us, I mean, I'm, I'm right now not even getting a chance to look at T's face. He can't look at mine, which he thinks is a good thing. And so the reality <laughs> is we don't get to hear from you folks unless you speak up and let us know. We usually only get to hear the criticism. I mean, I'm guilty of this myself sometimes where I hear something I disagree with. I'll send a, a brother a message, say, hey, you know, I disagree with this. Just something to think about. Sometimes it works out well. We get good conversation. But you know what? We need encouragement too. Um, yeah. So drop us some reviews. Let us know what you think because the reality I know so many podcasters say this, T, but the reality, uh, the reviews don't help you get more listens, okay? It really doesn't. It doesn't get you up on Apple's, you know, unless you're getting like a ton of reviews in a single short period of time, that's the only way you get into news and noteworthy from reviews. The reality is the reviews help the podcaster to go, wow, people are listening, people are enjoying it. It, it is encouraging to us. So drop us some reviews, subscribe to them, share to them, because that, that helps us know that you're, you're sharing the love. You appreciate what we're doing. We're spending time to help you to, to give you information. Take that and help others. That's the greatest encouragement you can give us. You agree with that? I totally agree with that. I totally agree. All right. Well, folks, I, I encourage you to check out some of the, the podcasts mentioned. Uh, I, I do listen to the bar podcast network. Um, you know, it is filled and, and they have some others that aren't on the one RSS feed. So go to the website and check out all of their podcasts that they got because they have more than just the ones on the one RSS feed, the bars podcast. So bar podcast, you have the, you have the bar podcast with Dwayne Atkinson. You, you have T Barlow's on there with the spinners, but then you have guys that are part of their network which is going to be uh, pastor's discussion. You, you also have uh, the the women's one that I haven't uh, that I haven't listened to that. That's somewhat new. Um, I forget the name of that one though. Callisto, I think it is. Yeah, it's like it's like it's like Calioscope or something like that. I might be saying it wrong because I never heard it. I never heard it pronounced. <laughs> I've only yeah. read it, and so so I feel like I feel like I might be butchering the name. But check boy, we, you we can't, probably you both can't are. But <laughs> yeah. But listen, hey, yeah. we're going to blame Dwayne anyway, right? It's all his fault? Yeah. Okay. As long as, long as, as, long as we can agree with that, it's Dwayne's fault. Yeah. All right, yeah. good. You I mean, got it on record. <laughs> all right. We got it on record. Everything's Dwayne's fault. Yeah. yeah. It's his I'm, I'm good with that. I'm good with that, too. I'm good. <laughs> for Eternity Ministries. For more content or to request a speaker or seminar to your church, go to org.